If Pam and Tommy thought an employee stealing the home video of their honeymoon was bad news, they had something way worse coming. A magazine had a copy of their sex tape and they were hell-bent on writing about it. Welcome to Scandal from Shameless Podcast, the stories of the biggest celebrity controversies revisited. Hello, Zara McDonald. Hello, Michelle Andrews. Welcome to part two. Part two of Pamela and Tommy. Let's talk quickly about what we covered in episode one. I think I will always love the story of how Pamela Anderson rose to fame. She was discovered at a football game in 1989, Zara, when an image of her was kind of broadcast on the big screen. Yeah, exactly. And from there, her career really kicked off. She Mm. was on the cover of Millions of Playboy magazines, (laughs) maybe not millions. She starred in Baywatch, which was the biggest TV series in the world at that time. And at the similar time that Pamela was rising to fame, Tommy Lee, her future partner, had established himself as a real bad boy. Mm. This heavy metal rock star who had been married twice before he actually met Pamela Anderson. Yeah, that's right. Three days after their first date, they married in Cancun. Pamela wore a white bikini down the aisle. We also spoke, Zara, about how they then went off on their honeymoon and what they filmed on that honeymoon would become something that would be hotly talked about in the media for years to come. Yeah, decades to come. So what they did on that honeymoon, as we now know, is they filmed a home video of them doing many things including having sex and the sex was actually a small portion of it but it was the portion that promptly stole everyone's attention when we all realized at the start of 1996 I say we all realized we were two I was two (laughs) that an ex-employee of theirs had stolen the tape and made copies of it yeah that's exactly right and then at the start of 1996 Pamela and Tommy's headaches took another turn for the worse they found out that Penthouse Magazine now had a copy of that home video. Let's head back to that time, Zara. We are rewinding to March 1996. All righty, Mish, as you said, it's March 1996 and Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee had just found out that Penthouse Magazine had a copy of their sex tape. Not now, ideal. No, not <laughs> ideal at all. Now, to give you some context, Penthouse Magazine was a competitor of Playboy Magazine. It featured softcore pornographic spreads that evolved into hardcore and it was the first to show pubic hair, full frontal nudity and the clitoris. It also had a history, we should say, of publishing unauthorised nude photos of celebrities like Madonna and the first ever Black Miss America Vanessa Williams. Yeah, so they had a penchant for the grubby to say the least. Now, according to Rolling Stone, Penthouse's lawyer promised that the mag would not publish any stills from Pamela and Tommy's sex tape. But at this point, Pamela and Tommy were really starting to panic. The tape was spreading faster than they could possibly keep up with it. And now that the mainstream press had caught on, They had much bigger issues than just some old bootleg copies being sold out of boots of cars. Yeah, like the modern day way of thinking about it, I think, is like it's no longer this rumour or this thing Mm. going around in WhatsApp groups and on the depths of Twitter. Now this is making 
mainstream news websites and it's been almost legitimised yeah. in the eyes of the world. So on March 29, 1996, the couple filed a $10 million civil lawsuit against anyone they thought might have a copy of the tape. So that was against Penthouse. It was also against the original thief, Rand Gautier. Milton, the pawn shop owner, Rand took the tape to just to name a few. They even actually sued their friend, Gurren Swing, who briefly appeared in that G-rated section of the video because he was on the holiday with them, Mish. Mm, they also filed a temporary restraining order against Penthouse magazine to try to stop them from publishing an article about the sex tape. Now, this lawsuit brought major press attention. Suddenly, news vans were camped out the front of these different people's houses. Everyone wanted to know the details. And because Pamela and Tommy were trying to squash the sex tape so much, naturally, I mean, if you tell someone you're not allowed to know about this, there's something I want to keep from you, curiosity spikes, right? Absolutely, and that's what happens. And I think worse still about this part of the story is that Pamela and Tommy actually lost their restraining order against Penthouse. So the magazine went ahead and put out its June issue with Pamela on the cover. Now, the cover image was of Pamela wearing a tight red latex-looking top, leaning forward so you could kind of see her cleavage. And the cover read Pamela Anderson, her X-rated home video. Now, what's important to note here is that Penthouse still didn't actually have permission to publish stills from the tape Mm. since the copyright actually belonged to Pamela and Tommy. Seems like a quaint way of sort of like copyright is the one thing that's getting in their way. So inside the mag, what they actually did is they included a written description of the tape and quoted the exchanges between Pam and Tommy, but they couldn't do much else. Yeah, they did everything they could and that went so far as them actually illustrating different images from Tommy and Pamela's honeymoon. But the images they illustrated still couldn't be ones from the tape. They had to illustrate Polaroids that were taken on the honeymoon separately. Yeah, now things only got worse for Pamela and Tommy here because in August a different LA judge refused to grant them a permanent injunction against Pamela. Now, an injunction is basically where a court orders somebody to do something or Mm -hmm. not do something. And here, Pam and Tommy wanted the judge to order Penthouse not to publish any steals or clips from the sex tape, but the judge refused to do so. Yeah, I really want to talk to you about some of the arguments that Penthouse put forward to win that decision because – I mean, with a 2022 lens, the arguments that Penthouse put forward were quite wild. The magazine's lawyers argued that because Pamela had posed nude several times before in a professional capacity and because she had discussed her sex life in interviews, she had given up her privacy to what was in her own home video. Yeah, exactly. Now, Penthouse also argued that it had received the sex tape from a source and that no one at the magazine had been directly involved in the robbery. So writing about what was in it was fair game. Now, they also argued that one of the scenes showed Pamela rolling a joint and because Pamela had told a magazine the year before she didn't do drugs, that meant the tape was legally considered newsworthy. I'm just so (laughs) surprised this came off for them. Like, I am really, really surprised that they won this. But then I guess I need to remember this was almost 30 years ago. Yeah, exactly. And you're right. They won the case. According to Vanity Fair, this was largely because, and I quote, it is essentially unheard of for a court to bar a media outlet from publishing something before it has done so. I mean, we know that to be the case far more over in the US as well. So, 
What is most interesting about this is that Penthouse won the case, but they didn't actually end up publishing any of the stills from the tape in the end, despite winning. And the reason for that is because of that copyright thing we spoke about before. Pam and Tommy had filmed the video themselves and therefore retained copyright of the tape. Now, it's all a little bit confusing, but essentially what it means is Penthouse weren't banned ahead of publishing stills of the tape, but there was absolutely no guarantee that Pam and Tommy couldn't go for them again Mm. after they had published it for copyright. Very interesting. Meanwhile, we'll put Penthouse Magazine to one side, Zara, because we need to check back in with our two boys, Rand and Milton, from episode one. If you guys need the refresher, we said it briefly in the intro. Rand is the man who originally stole Pamela and Tommy's sex tape from their garage. He then gave it to Milton. Milton was a porn studio owner that he knew and Milton's job was to help Rand distribute the tape and make some sweet, sweet cash off it. Exactly, Michelle. Now, Milton ended up borrowing $50,000 from another producer, some of which he used to create a bunch of websites to sell the tape on. Now, this is how Rolling Stone explained it all. The sites didn't have the video itself. They merely gave instructions to send a money order to the New York outpost of a Canadian t-shirt company, which they then funneled the money to a bank account in Amsterdam. All very 90s and all very, I don't know, it sounds a bit dodgy, doesn't it? Milton, I mean, we know the whole thing is dodgy, (laughs) not just a bit. Milton blew the rest of the money on fancy hotel rooms, reportedly on sex workers and drugs, which was a financial decision, Mish, that was about to come back and haunt him. Yeah. So after Tommy and Pamela discovered their tape was missing, they actually sent a private investigator and a biker gang to check in on Rand and Milton. And like we mentioned before, in 1996, they were also pursuing them legally. They were trying to sue them. So it's pretty obvious to say that things were not going great for the duo of Rand and Milton. Throughout 1996, legal paperwork was continually dropping on their desks. They hadn't hired a lawyer. A biker gang was showing up to where they were working. And that producer who lent Milton that $50,000 was starting to ask when he might start to see a return on his investment. A fair question too. Now, rather than deal with any of that, because why would you, Milton decided to (laughs) flee New York where he had been hiding out and head to the Netherlands. But his problems didn't end there. The court finally ruled in Pamela and Tommy's favour and issued an injunction against Milton in October 1997, ordering him to stop copying and selling the tape. But it was a bit too late because a bunch of orders had just been sent out and LA was practically drowning in copies with Milton's fingerprints all over them. Oh dear. Now, in the midst of all these legal battles, Pamela and Tommy were actually busy also welcoming their second child into the world, a son who they named Dylan Jagger. Now, if you thought things with Pamela and Tommy were a little rocky, a little shit, just prepare yourself because things are about to get astronomically worse. Correct. It wasn't long before one of those bootlegged copies found its way into the hands of somebody who actually understood this thing called the internet. Now, (laughs) his name was Seth Warshovsky. Rolling Stone described Seth as an internet wonderkind who was allegedly responsible for creating early versions of pay-per-click ads and online credit card processing systems. The publication also called him a snivelling huckster who wrote bad checks and owed lots of people money. Yeah, so when Seth was just 19 years old, he had actually gotten started in the adult entertainment business, starting out with a sex line called one 800 
get some. He was wildly successful and according to Esquire magazine, had grossed more than $60 million in a few years. Now, by the time the Pam and Tommy sex tape hit his desk, Seth owned a company called Internet Entertainment Group, which made and distributed porn, mostly of women, over the internet on a website called Club Love. Yeah, now on the 3rd of November 1997, Seth actually issued a press release. He said he planned to broadcast Pam and Tommy's infamous sex tape online and several former employees told Rolling Stone that in reality, Seth didn't think he'd be actually able to broadcast the tape online because of the copyright that Pam and Tommy held over it, which we've mentioned a couple of times already. According to the staff, he just wanted the publicity and the notoriety that would come from this announcement and the lawsuit that the celebrity couple would undoubtedly bring against him. Yeah, and that they did actually. Pamela and Tommy did try to get an injunction against Seth airing the footage, but on the 6th of November, the judge refused to grant it. Now, at this point, it was the end of 1997. It had been around two years since that sex tape had been stolen. Pamela and Tommy had gone after Penthouse magazine. They'd gone after the guys who stole and then distributed the tape. And now they had gone after Seth. As Rolling Stone wrote, everyone in Los Angeles, it seemed, had already seen the video and the never-ending series of depositions was invasive and stressful and failed to stop the tape's distribution. It's a lot of energy to put into something that you're getting absolutely no results from, right? It, it reminds me of that game, you know, when you go into like, I don't know, like an arcade kind of thing and you're playing those little games at like time zone. Reminds me of that one where the crocodiles are continually pointing out and it's your job to bang them when they come out. But as soon as you touch one, another one pops up somewhere else. I like- wondered where that was going for a little bit. I totally <laughs> agree with you. No, you're right. It's like they couldn't, then they couldn't bang every crocodile at the no, same time. The crocodiles just keep coming. Yeah, exactly. Now, it was this point in time where Tommy and Pamela made what a lot of people consider a huge mistake. They decided to settle in their lawsuit. So, according to Rolling Stone, the couple were under the false understanding that they could give Seth copyright permission to show the tape over the internet, but it wouldn't mean his company would have the right to sell and distribute it in stores. Now, Mish... People might hear that and think, why the hell would you do that? Why would you feel comfortable signing over the rights for the video to be played and sold online? But as Rolling Stone pointed out, by all accounts, the couple underestimated the reach of the internet. Yeah, and to give some perspective, Slate wrote a really interesting article reflecting on what the internet looked like around this time, 1996-1997, and it was unrecognisable to what the internet looks like today. We need to remember there was no Google. We didn't even get Google until 1998. A few newspapers and magazines had started putting up articles online, but to access them, people had to dial up to broadband via their phone line, meaning no one could call you while you were connected to the internet, and it would take about 30 seconds to load each individual web page. Yeah, now Tommy later gave his perspective on what happened in the autobiography, The Dirt. He wrote, our lawyers and managers advise us that the best way to minimise the damages was to sign a contract saying that since the company had us by the balls, we would reluctantly allow a one-time webcast so long as they didn't sell, copy, trade or rebroadcast it. We thought we had won. Hardly anyone would see the video on the internet and we could recover the tape and start over. But according to other people outside of Pamela and Tommy's camps, that's not what the contract 
contract they signed actually allowed Internet Entertainment Group to do. For their piece, Rolling Stone actually interviewed Derek Newman, the lawyer who acted on Seth and IEG's behalf in the negotiations. Now, Newman, so Seth's lawyer, was a freshie on the (laughs) law scene. He had only just graduated from law school and he told Rolling Stone that he had prepared the broadest possible release form from Tommy and Pamela, hoping to get the couple to essentially sign away everything for the tape. He told the publication, I remember negotiating and thinking, there is no way they'll ever sign this. But they did. They actually signed it on November 25, 1997. Yeah, and within days, anyone who brought a subscription to Club Love had access to the tape. Now, Jonathan Silverstein, who was working as the company's director of sales and marketing at the time, told Rolling Stone, our servers were rocked. It was insanity. We had thousands of sales a day, every day for months. Now, very soon, Seth worked out a deal with the owner of a leading adult video purveyor called Vivid Entertainment to manufacture VHS, DVD and CD copies. By February 1998, anyone could walk into an adult video store and pick one up, which is... Not what Pamela and Tommy wanted, No, apparently. apparently. Now, Tommy recalled the moment that they had actually realised they had been screwed over. In the dirt, he wrote, One night, Pamela and I were chowing down on some dinner and flipping through television stations when we heard our names being mentioned on some news show. On the screen, there was a dude at Tower Video stocking the shelves with videotapes, and we just knew what they were. Yeah, so that is the story that Pamela and Tommy tell about how the tape was really widely distributed. But there is one different tale as well, Mish, Mm. a kind of divergent story that we're going to touch on right after the break. All right, Zara, you teased it out before the break. This is where stories diverge. We have Pamela and Tommy's account that they got maybe some dodgy legal advice. They thought they were signing something over. They were actually kind of giving everything away. Let's hear the other side of the story though. Yeah, so as we said, Pamela and Tommy have maintained that they thought they were just signing away the right for IEG, that internet entertainment group, to stream the video once. Tommy explicitly wrote in the dirt that when they saw the shelves being stocked on the news, and I quote, we realised the guy had breached his agreement and mass produced the tape, which by the way, he never returned to us. Now they did immediately sue Seth in the federal court for this. But as Rolling Stone wrote, while Pamela and Tommy appeared outraged, some people see something different happen, Mish. Yeah, they wrote, some see the pivotal moment when the couple signed away their rights as the smoking gun that indicates a private deal to share in the profits had been made. According to Rolling Stone, several people have also claimed this is absolutely what happened, including a former Vivid Entertainment employee. Now, a reminder, Vivid is the company who made a deal with Seth and IEG to sell physical copies of the tape. Rolling Stone also made the point that, and I quote, even if Pamela and Tommy worked out a deal to profit off of the tape, who could blame them? With lawyers and judges shrugging and saying there was nothing to be done, with sites all over the web using her naked image without her permission, cashing in for a small share may have seemed the best possible option. We should make it clear, though, that Pam and Tommy have both publicly denied ever profiting off the tape. And as Vanity Fair wrote earlier this year, 
Pamela has told interviewers over and over again throughout the years that the tape was stolen property. As journalist Johanna Dester wrote, Pamela's in a constant state of having to remind people that she never wanted it out there, sidestepping both her critics and those who have tried to positively reframe the narrative on her behalf. That's a really good point because it's like, even if that's true, even if people are coming out saying they profited off the tape and they ended up making money off the tape. This was never a scenario they wanted to end up in. And it's interesting when people do try to reframe the story on her behalf to be like, well, you ended up winning. Yeah, it's a really interesting one. I mean, uh, as someone who has been researching this story alongside you and Justine Zara, I think my gut's telling me it would be very unlikely for Hollywood celebrities with the power and the financial resources of Pamela and Tommy to get such bad legal advice or find to themselves get swindled by a contract. Swindled by a contract written by a freshy lawyer. Yeah. A freshy lawyer probably isn't swindling like a really high powered legal team that Pamela and Tommy would hire. So I think that for me is the sticking point I keep coming back to. What's the chance of that happening? It feels low, doesn't it? But we can't rule it out entirely because that is their denial. Now, in a 2015 interview with Andy Cohen for Watch What Happens Live, Pamela revealed that she still hadn't seen the tape. Andy assured her that it's fantastic and asked if she'd made any money off it. She replied, not one dollar. I was seven months pregnant with Dylan and I was thinking it was affecting the pregnancy with the stress. And I said, I'm not going to court anymore. I'm not being deposed anymore by these horny, weird lawyer men. I don't want to talk about my vagina anymore or public sex, anything. It was stolen property. We never, either of us, made anything from it. It was stolen. Yeah, now... Meanwhile, while all of this was going on with the video, Tommy and Pamela's relationship was falling apart. Now, through this time, they continued to try and build their careers. Tommy's band, Motley Crue, had gone through some ups and downs through the 90s, but did reunite in 1997. And since getting married to Tommy, Pamela had appeared in the film Barb Wire and hosted SNL. Yeah, but as Tommy wrote in The Dirt, the legal battles and the fallout from their sex tape had really taken a toll on their marriage. He wrote this, all this was going down at a really hard time for us. Pamela and I were fighting all the time, trying to raise our children, continue the careers that consumed us, make a new relationship work and deal with the nonstop barrage of bullshit in the press was more of a challenge than we ever could have expected. In February 1998, Zara, he was arrested for domestic violence. Yeah, exactly. And just a trigger warning again, before we jump into this one, some of these details, are quite troubling and maybe triggering for some listeners. MTV reported that the LA County Sheriff's Department had received a domestic disturbance call from Pamela. Police said she'd sustained a broken fingernail on her right hand, a bloody hand and a bruising on her back from the altercation. Perhaps most interestingly and curiously, Michelle, Tommy Lee actually wrote about his version of what happened in the book The Dirt. Yeah, he absolutely did. He said that he was cooking dinner for the family one night and was getting frustrated because he couldn't find a saucepan he needed. He wrote this, I was so high strung and tense that as soon as the littlest thing went wrong, I'd start to freak out like it was the end of the world. So when I couldn't find the pan, I started slamming cabinet doors and throwing shit around like a little baby crying for attention, hoping mummy would come come and solve all his problems. Tommy said that Pamela came over and tried to calm him down. He said that he started pulling out all of the pots and the mixing bowls from the cupboards and screamed. He wrote this. And then Pamela said the words that you should never say to anyone who's losing their temper, the words that only pour gasoline on the blaze. 
calm down, you're scaring me. We will obviously make note of those words once we read out all of this passage. Yeah. We will revisit that. Yes. He said that what happened next, and I quote, boiled down to nothing but my own insecurity, neediness and fear. He said that they were screaming at each other and that Pamela picked up their baby Dylan, grabbed the phone and started calling her mum to come over, saying that Tommy was scaring her. She kept trying to call and he kept hanging up her phone. Tommy wrote... Her therapist had given her the stupid advice of ignoring me when I was angry because, according to him, I received enough attention as a rock star. But what he didn't know was that I was a rock star because I needed the attention. Silence equals death. So when Pamela started giving me the silent treatment, just like my parents used to, it drove me further over the brink. Yeah, Tommy alleged that Pamela swung at him and hit his lower jaw and neck in one go and wrote, I had never been hit by a woman before and as soon as I felt the contact, I saw red. Like an animal, I did the first thing that instinctually came to mind to stop the situation. I grabbed her and held her firmly. What is fucking wrong with you? I yelled, not letting her go. And once again, my attempt to calm her only panicked her more. Now she was crying, the kids were freaking out, and the phone was ringing off the hook because her parents were worried because of all the cut-off phone calls. He says that Pamela yelled at him and as she ran past, he kicked her in the backside. She screamed at him to get out and he wrote that she tried to stop him from taking their son outside. Then a bit of a physical altercation happened over that, Zara. He wrestled the son out of Pamela's hands, pushed her into the children's chalkboard and broke her nail. Yeah, and when he and little Brandon came back to the house, he wrote that Pamela's parents were there, the police were there, and they arrested him. Tommy wrote that he said to the police, dude, you guys didn't even talk to me yet. You are only listening to her side of the story. What about my side? Now, what's really clear is that Tommy, at least when he wrote The Dirt, still clearly hadn't fully come to terms with the extent of his spousal abuse, he wrote in his book, I couldn't understand why Pamela had followed through with pressing charges. She was probably scared and thought I was some crazy violent monster. She probably thought she was doing the right thing for the kids and she probably wanted an easy way out of a difficult situation. As much as I loved Pamela, she had a problem dealing with things. If something wasn't right in her life, she'd rather get rid of it than take time to work on it or fix it. She fired managers like I changed socks. Personal assistants and nannies would blow through our house like like pages of a calendar. So the way I understood it, what Pamela did to me was basically fire me. I was fucking fired. I mean, it's it's abundantly clear that he had no sense of what he did. I mean, that line there of like, maybe she felt she needed to protect herself and the kids because I was some violent monster really proves to me the real cognitive dissonance mm. between your actions and how you perceive yourself yeah. to be like, no, 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 I'm, I'm not like that at all. I'm quite lovely and genuine and a, just a passionate partner. Yeah, when really we've just been told about a story of a man who's so aggravated and angry over a pen that his partner tells him, calm down, you're scaring me, and he sees that as an excuse to fly off the wall. For him to see the sentence, calm down, you're scaring me, as, and I quote, gasoline on a blaze, is just such an interesting retelling of a story. Well, it still in large part puts the blame on her, right? And I've, I've never read anything like this where a guy so candidly outlines his own abuse without any sense really of, 
how bad it actually is. Like it's an incredibly exposing passage. Yeah, and we need to say as well that he was charged with felony spousal abuse. After pleading no contest, he was sentenced to six months in jail on May 20, 1998. He was also ordered to attend counselling, finish 200 hours of community service and donate money to anti-domestic violence resources. He and Pamela divorced shortly afterwards. Pamela later told NBC that there was physical abuse in her relationship with Tommy. She mentioned that the night when she picked up the phone and called 911, but she also said there was a lot more that happened than that. Talking about the night she rang the police, Pamela said he was so physically violent that, and I quote, a seven-week-old and a 21-month-old, you know, hyperventilating and my ass being thrown around, I was scared for their safety as much as I was my own. Yeah, in the papers that she filed for sole custody of their two children, Pamela wrote, Tommy has no idea or does not care what is appropriate for children of their ages. His life revolves around alcohol. He's a dangerous man with a tenuous hold on his temper. So that is the really sort of troubling end to their relationship in 2003. But quick spoiler alert, it's not the end of their relationship in its entirety. Mm. But let's go back to the video for a second, Mish, because where did things end up? Yeah. So once the video was distributed so widely, once they handed over copyright to Seth and IEG, The game was basically over for Pamela and Tommy. In 2000, the Guinness Book of World Records declared Pamela Anderson the most downloaded star of all time. I mean, the phrase Pamela Anderson drove so much web traffic that millions of websites started to put meta tags in their pages with Pamela Anderson and sex tape just to get more traffic. Yeah, which is shorthand for saying they didn't have Pamela Anderson or the sex tape on their web page. They just wanted to sort of what Trojan horse people there. Yeah. It wasn't until 2002 that Pamela and Tommy's federal lawsuit against IEG reached court. And now by this point, Seth, that young kid who was the person to put Pamela and Tommy's sex tape online, had moved to Bangkok following FBI and Department of Justice investigations into his business practices. Mm. Something spectacularly unsurprising about that (laughs) line in the story. Now, there was no lawyer speaking on Seth's behalf in court and the judge ordered his now defunct company to pay Tommy and Pamela 740 grand each. According to Rolling Stone, they never saw a cent of that money. Yeah. Now, despite everything that happened between them, Pamela and Tommy did actually return to a good place in their relationship. In that interview with NBC that happened in 2003, Pamela actually said, Tommy and I have come a long way. We're good friends. We love each other immensely. And it's great to be able to talk to him as a friend. He has actually got to the point where he's thanked me for a lot of the things we've gone through. Yeah, while they weren't together, Pamela was briefly engaged to male model Marcus Schenkenberg in 2000 and 2001. But shortly after breaking up with Marcus, started a relationship with musician Kid Rock. I forgot about this. I remember this being a big deal at the time. They got engaged in 2002, but broke up the next year. In a twist, though, Michelle, Kid Rock and Pamela actually rekindled their romance and got married on a yacht off Saint-Tropez in France in 2006. That is one way to get married. Yeah, look, Pamela Anderson certainly knows how to get married well, that is for sure. Now, 
In November that year, Pamela revealed that she actually sadly suffered a miscarriage and she actually filed for divorce from Kid Rock 17 days later. Yeah, the following year, she married poker player Rick Solomon in Las Vegas. Interestingly, Rick was actually best known for making a sex tape with ex-girlfriend Paris Hilton. So they both had a shared experience in that sense. Rick and Pamela separated that December and Pamela actually sought to annul their marriage based on fraud. Meanwhile, Tammy also had moved on after Pamela Anderson from 2001 to 2003. He actually dated Prince's ex-wife, mate Garcia. The pair eventually got engaged, but the Daily Mail reported they broke up before the wedding because she allegedly didn't believe he was over Pamela. Now, in 2003, what feels quite randomly, he was linked to the singer Pink. I did not see this coming. Me either. Pamela was actually the one to confirm the relationship. Now, during an appearance on the Howard Stern Show in 2004, Pamela was asked whether Tommy was having sex with Pink. It all sounds very Howard Stern. (laughs) Pamela replied, oh, yeah, absolutely. She'd also confirmed, though, the pair had broken up, saying, I don't know who dumped who. They're not together. Yeah, during that same interview, Pamela also confirmed that she and Tommy were not together, but appeared to admit that they had been in an on-again, off-again relationship since their divorce. When asked about this relationship, Pamela said, I just, you know, I care about him a lot, but there's a long way to go. Tommy was also reportedly in other relationships along the way. Well, according to the press with actress Tara Reid and the supermodel Naomi Campbell, now this is relationships that they or their reps deny. And then in 2008, Pamela and Tommy revealed that after many years, they were officially back together. Yeah. In an interview with Rolling Stone, Tommy said, we've only given it a try 800 times. 801, here we go. He also revealed that Pamela and their kids had moved back in with him. He said, it's awesome. It's definitely working. You can see it on the kids' faces. They're happy when we're together. Their rekindled relationship didn't last long, though. They broke up again in 2010 and... The drama and the sort of troubling aspects of their relationship really didn't end there. If we fast forward to 2018, their relationship and the the dynamic between the family really sadly turned violent again, Mish. Yeah, at this point in the story, Tommy Lee was 54 years old and engaged to Brittany Ferlin, another random relationship. Brittany became famous on Vine. She was one of the biggest creators on that platform and is big on social media generally. Yeah, and so in an interview with Piers Morgan in March 2018, when Pamela was 50, she spoke about how her relationship with Tommy came to an end again after he assaulted her. Now, in response, Tommy took to Twitter writing, Piers Morgan, your interviews with Donald Trump and my ex-wife are pathetic. Think she'd find something new to discuss instead of rehashing old shit, but I guess she has nothing else going on and needs attention. Signed, The Abuser, who she texts every day and asks for back. He later deleted the post. Yeah, TMZ reported that later that night, and I do want to give another trigger warning about domestic violence here that police actually responded to a call at Tommy Lee's home at around 10.45pm. Tommy Lee actually posted a photo on Instagram of a swollen and bloodied lip and blamed his 21-year-old son Brandon in the caption. He wrote, my heart is broken. You can give your kids everything they could ever want in their entire lives and they can still turn against you. Good job, Brandon. Great son. Now, Tommy and his son allegedly broke out in the fight over Tommy's tweet about Pamela's comments on Piers Morgan. Now, 
In a statement published in People, Brandon said the fight was caused by his father's alleged addiction to alcohol. He said, I wanted my dad's hopeful sobriety and recovery to be a private family matter, but as a result of his accusations on social media, I feel forced to speak out. I have and will continue to cooperate with law enforcement as needed. I love my father and just want to see him sober, happy and healthy. Yeah, Tommy slammed that interview as well. He tweeted out, laugh my ass off. I'm happier than I've ever been in my life. I have a few drinks here and there because I'm fucking retired and enjoying my life. I've worked 30 plus fucking years and I deserve it. You didn't arrange any intervention. You barely spoke to me while you were here. Just covering your ass. See you later, social media. Can't read any more lies. I mean, it really does read like one of these people is the child and the other one is the adult in the room. And it's very sad to think that is the way a dad is speaking to his son in any forum, let alone one of the most public forums you can find. Yeah, exactly. Now, Tommy declared that week that he was actually pressing charges against his son and also seeking a restraining order. That same day, Pamela published a blog post on her website titled Alcoholism is the Devil. In the post, she blamed Tommy for his, and I quote, desperate and humiliating behaviour. She alleged that Brandon had been staying with his dad to help him overcome his alcohol addiction. She wrote, we have all tried to protect him and help him for too long hoping he'd look after himself better. I do not like to comment about this, but feel like it's necessary because of Tommy's Trump-style no-thought-out rampage on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, she also declared that her son Brandon was acting in self-defence when he punched his father, saying that Brandon was scared for his life. On Father's Day in June, Tommy Lee wrote a rambling post in which he called his two sons assholes. Brandon replied by posting a video showing his dad half-dressed and unconscious, suggesting it was taken after they had fought back in March. He also criticised Tommy Lee and suggested that he had been an absent father. He wrote this in the caption, Remember what happened last time you said shit, night, night. you got to show up to be a dad big guy. If you think we're so bad, which I can assure you we are not, then you should have showed up to a few more B-days and baseball games. Someone like you couldn't raise a man like me. Once again, painting our family in a negative light. Who the fuck are you? Just move on, dude. We all have, or I'll put you right back to fucking sleep. Oof. Now... To give you a bit of whiplash, I guess, things seem to improve in their relationship by the end of the year. In December 2018, Tommy posted a photo of him and his son hugging on Instagram with the caption, I love you, son. Branded commented, I love you, dad. His brother also commented, love you guys. Yeah. So this all brings us to where Pamela and Tommy are today. I mean, they've got a lot of scandal under their belt and in their fifties, things seem to have truly settled down. Hopefully Pamela has become a huge human rights and animal rights advocate and set up the Pamela Anderson foundation. One of the issues that she's campaigned on that hit close to home has actually been around freeing WikiLeaks founder, Julian Assange. In 2018, she even penned an open letter to Prime Minister Scott Morrison calling him smutty, lewd and questioning his strength and conviction to help return Assange home. Yeah. Now, Pamela is a close friend of Assange's and there were rumours actually that they were in love for a long time, which Pamela actually only fueled when she told 60 Minutes that their relationship was, and I quote, a romantic struggle. But that was never sort of properly confirmed because it's yeah. also turned out that Julian Assange has got a long-term partner 
that he had kids with that we didn't know about. So yeah. that confusing story to the side. <laughs> 2020 was also a huge year for her dating life. She married Hollywood producer John Peters in January. The following month, though, they had separated and actually claimed that they had never actually legally gotten married. She later said there were no hard feelings, no marriage, no divorce, just a bizarre theatrical lunch. <laughs> I love her penchant for the dramatic. Like she really just wants to live life and I really appreciate it. Reports came out seven months later that she was dating her security guard, Dan Hayhurst. The two of them got married on Christmas Eve that year. They then got divorced after one year of marriage. Yeah, he was her fifth husband. Now, meanwhile, Tommy's actually still married to former Vine star Brittany Ferlin and continues to work as a solo artist. Now, just earlier last month, at the beginning of March, Pamela wiped her entire Instagram profile and left just one image up. It's a photo of a note with Netflix's logo right at the top and a lipstick kiss at the bottom. The handwritten scroll reads, My life, a thousand imperfections, a million misperceptions, wicked wild. Not a victim, a survivor, alive to tell the real story. Yeah, and we cannot wait for her to tell it. If you guys are wondering, wait, 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 girls, what the hell happened to the men involved in leaking this sex tape, stealing this sex tape, distributing the sex tape? Bizarrely, we can't find any reports or evidence that Rand Gautier, the guy who took the tape from Tom and Pamela's house, was ever legally punished for that. Yeah, this is really confusing because even though he admitted to doing all of this in the Rolling Stone article... There is, as you say, no evidence that anything came of it. And I think for me, it's the part of the story that boggles me the most. Yeah. And as for Milton, Milton Ingley, he returned to California in 99. He moved in with his daughter. According to Rolling Stone, we don't have a whole heap of information on his life after this scandal. We just know for sure that he lived with his daughter until his death in 2006. So, guys, come chat to us about this one. What are your theories? What are your thoughts? As always, we are on Instagram at Shameless Podcast. We're also on TikTok at Shameless underscore podcast. We're dying to hear what you think. Yeah, it's actually one of the more confusing sort of mind-boggling stories I've heard that, you know, at first glance seems like a pretty straightforward story. But once we started to dig into it, I was like, this shit is complicated. As always, a big thank you to our researcher, Justine Landis-Hanley, who was always delightful to work with on these. Guys, we will be back in your ears on Thursday for another wrap in the week that was in pop culture. Thanks so much, guys. Bye. 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 